Austin Approach. I am your co-host, Bryce Duby. And I am your co-host, Michelle Lai. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. So, Michelle, we made it through the Thanksgiving travel season. We absolutely did. Check. Next stop, Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I, looking back at just our numbers from the past couple months between October and November, I mean, I, I, I think whatever happens with Christmas, it always depends on when it falls every year with like days of the week and all that. I think it's on a Saturday this year. I, I am confident that we're going to be good. Travelers still will put out guidance as we get closer, but we, we just made it through... Um, for folks who don't track all of our stuff all the time, our busiest Thanksgiving travel season ever. Yes, ever, ever. Yeah, not not just busier than the pandemic, but busier. I mean, it was a busier travel season than we saw in 2019, 2018, anything. We had our second busiest day ever, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, uh, and it really didn't slow down during the week. So thanks, first of all, to all the passengers who showed up early, wore their masks, packed their patients, and then thanks above and beyond to all of our amazing staff who are out there helping out, um, getting everyone through that week and making everything possible. Absolutely. No doubt, because there is very little downtime these days at the airport, So, which is fantastic. And there's, there's no doubt it's great news. Uh, it's also you know, exhausting. It puts a strain on some folks and there's never, there's never any downtime, you know, but Hey, it's, uh, we are in a very fortunate situation here at Austin airport. I mean, people are just coming and going out of our airport. It, 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 it jumped. Those numbers jumped. I think, I don't think we were necessarily surprised. We saw what the trends were, um, with all of that coming out of the summer, but it, it was, it was jumping. we, I mean, we recorded our other podcast, um, heading into all of that, but by that Sunday before the, travel period or before the holiday um we had 32,000 passengers go through security that day um yeah which like a busy a very busy day at the airport for just kind of context is about 30,000 passengers and our busiest Mm -hmm. day ever was after f1 which was about 35,000 passengers and thanksgiving normally never comes close our busiest thanksgiving travel day before this year was uh, it was about 29,000 or so passengers. And it was like the Sunday after Thanksgiving in 2019 when everyone's kind of coming back from all their trips. And just this year alone, we had that 32,000 day. Then we had a couple 30,000 days. Like it was the whole week was just jumping. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a lot happened over Thanksgiving as well. So I didn't travel over Thanksgiving. I stayed home and had some turkey and did all my usual usual Thanksgiving things. Uh, but lots of things happened in the outside world during that time frame. And when one of those things was a, an increase in time for the mask mandate for airports. So for all of you out there, um, the TSA federal mask requirements have been extended through March 18th of 2022. So if you're going to be traveling the rest of this year through the holiday travel season and all of that, uh, you are still going to have uh, to have your mask with you when you're in the terminal and on your flight. But we also had some fun. Um, during during Thanksgiving, we we you and I actually got to have a Thanksgiving meal together. We did, along with um, maybe thirty of our closest friends. <laughs> we did. That was really cool, and that's one of the things that uh, aviation does every year is hosts a, a Thanksgiving dinner for our workers, for our employees, and our colleagues the day before Thanksgiving. And it's just to say, hey, we know that a lot of a lot of our folks either have to have an early Thanksgiving dinner or a late Thanksgiving dinner with their families because they're here at the airport. 
And it's a way for us just to all come together and appreciate one another and have some delicious food because they don't play. The food was really good. I don't know what you had, but there was um, smoked turkey and there was fried fish. It was oh, yeah. delicious. I, I, went, I immediately went for some catfish. So Did I, you go for catfish? A, yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, it was it, really it, good. It was, it really was. I looking looking forward to it. And you know what I'll say that was really interesting. And I think as we're transitioning into less work from home, home more being internal, we were all sitting there talking with people who I hadn't seen in person in a year and a half. I was sitting next to someone and they didn't recognize me. Uh, and then they were like, "Oh, it's Bryce. Like I haven't seen you." <laughs> um, we were all trying to like. It, it was just. It was very refreshing because we used to like. That's one of the things I love about. Uh, working here at AUS is like there is that really great team. You see people in other divisions and things. It's like, hey, I mean, we're always used to kind of seeing each other all the time. And I think some of that kind of drifted away this past year, but it was great to really kind of see everyone coming back together. I agree. We had a we had a we had a moment where we had uh, just you know that that moment where you go, what do you, what are you really thankful for? What are you mm-hmm. really thankful for, Bryce? Oh, me. Yeah, Ooh. that is. I, I think at this point, still just that. Oh, you really put me on the spot here. I am trying to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to like hard questions, like talking with the media and things. But what am I? I mean, I'm, I'm honestly right now looking at just with everything that's going on uh, and what we're seeing with with work and all that. I'm thankful for the future. I mean, you can you can start to see that kind of that that light on the end of the at the end of the tunnel and then that kind of see what's on the horizon with everything. That's one thing I know um, with our guest today, later on the podcast um, that we're going to talk a little bit about with some of those things and just sort of the future of stuff. But yeah, I mean, honestly for me, just kind of, I'm thankful for just the future and the opportunities that we have. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. So what did you do for Thanksgiving? Um, I was on call, which is part of my job as a PIO. So I didn't travel either. And mm-hmm. oddly enough, I ended up taking um, somebody to the airport who was flying out on Thanksgiving. Yes. Um, so we went in and I actually grabbed lunch um, or like we'll, we'll just call it Thanksgiving dinner for the sake of it at Haymaker in the terminal. So you had your Thanksgiving dinner in the terminal. Yes. That is devotion to the job for you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, was it a burger? No, I had a yes, salad. It was not a burger. What did you have? I, I had a, a spinach cob salad um, at Haymaker, and it was really good. Nice. I mean, you I love eat. I love a good salad. As much as we always talk about burgers on here, I do love like a good salad. Um, and it was a good salad. I definitely had a really enjoyed it. So. Okay, so so I'm picturing this in my brain. Okay, and I'm, they've got this is nothing against anything other than you're in the terminal eating a salad for Thanksgiving. That actually fills my heart with sadness. <laughs> to to be fair, I I yes. knew this was all it's it's on the it's on the schedule and everything. I knew it was all coming, so I did a fun little Thanksgiving celebration the weekend before. Um, actually ordered a smoked turkey breast from one of my absolute favorite barbecue restaurants in all of texas uh drove all the way up to miller's up in belton um picked up some turkey picked up they um they have a bakery there too i know we're just shamelessly plugging a place that's like 70 miles away but um (laughs) they do a sopapilla cheesecake pie oh my that is absurd so came home with some smoked turkey and sopapilla cheesecake and then made everything else and had thanksgiving dinner 
uh, the weekend before because I knew I was heading into the storm that is kind of Thanksgiving travel week with everything. So a salad on Thanksgiving Day. It is a little sad, but I, I more than made up for it the weekend before. I needed that salad by then. That's okay. I don't feel so bad now. I don't feel so sad. Plus, um, totally know that you had catfish the day before. <laughs> that too. <laughs> that too. Good for you. So one thing that we mentioned on a show a couple episodes back is we are having a contest. Um, yes, we are having a contest, which is exciting have, stuff. It, it is. And we have gotten a couple submissions now. Um, and our first submission, when it first came into the inbox, I listened to it and it warmed my heart. Um, I don't know. And you listened to it as well. It's I great. Did. It is super cute. I loved it. And it it. It absolutely, I demand that it's featured. <laughs> yes. So we're going to pause. We'll step off for a second here. We're going to play this this clip from this young listener. Um, and then we are going to jump right back in with an answer. Hi, my name is Nathan. I'm 10 years old and I really love playing Pokemon. And I have a question about Pokemon Go. What is the what are the easiest and hardest to find pokey stops in the airport? Thank you, Bryce and Michelle. So Pokemon. Pokemon. I love that the first question that we're going to answer on this is about Pokemon. And I love the fact that it was from a young listener because that I could, I could just play that over and over again. It's so sweet. Yes. So I am full disclosure, not a Pokemon expert. Um, I have dabbled around a little bit of Pokemon go and a couple of the other things, but I don't know a ton. So I had to do a little bit of research on all of this. Okay. Um, so I reinstalled the app on my phone. I still okay. had all my Pokemon saved. I went to the terminal the other day. Uh, and for those of you who are un- aren't familiar with uh, Pokemon Go, it's one of those ones that you can walk around and explore the areas around you. And you can actually use your phone to like catch Pokemon and visit what they have. Like he asks in the question, like the Pokestops where you can. Um, there's a whole bunch of different things you can do with all of that, where there's places where you can earn um, different little power ups and things. And then there's like um gyms that are established where people can kind of have like be like the person in charge of it you can kind of have your pokemon battle their pokemon it's a there's a whole bunch to it it's really cool i again not an expert i did some very basic things and all of that i will say though i was surprised i went when i got to the terminal there's a lot of pokemon at austin bergstrom so what does that mean does that mean there's a lot of people using it or Uh, it's it's sort of a mix yeah so like it'll show what's around in your area and there's different ones based on like different things um I don't, again, I am not the expert on all of that, but I was able to like, and if you're in like certain areas and like cities and things, you can find certain ones. If you're in other areas, you can find other ones and times of day and weather and, and things like that. Um, so I definitely like took a, took a stab at trying to actually catch a couple Pokemon. Did you catch a Pokemon? I did catch a couple and I had a well couple done. get away. I had a couple get away as well. So <laughs> I'm just looking at my app right now. I was able to catch uh, a Pikachu, which is, I think, the Pokemon most of us know. It, it popped yes. up. I caught it. Um, and then there was a Poliwag that was there and a Tranquil, um, which was actually was a pretty pretty strong one uh, compared to some other ones. And I was, it took me a little while. Actually, I was able to catch that one. I had to lure it with some berries. This is like a whole Pokemon thing in the game. Like Folks who know the game will know what I'm talking about. And then I had a Tauros show up, which is like a big bison-type Pokemon and I yeah. wasn't able to catch that. 
Uh, <laughs> I threw I threw my little, little the pokeballs at it, bounced right off. It didn't care, broke right out and ran away. So I tried. What is going on? Let me tell you, there's absolute carnage at the terminal right now with Pokemon's everywhere. Uh, they are. This, <laughs> this is an opportunity I haven't I haven't had an, uh, a chance to grasp at yet. So okay. So I it's, love yeah, it. it's, it's it's really it was really fun and you get to kind of if you walk around it helps you like explore and like on you have like eggs you can get and if the more you walk it like measures your it tracks your steps so it's kind of like a fitness thing as well so you can like track your steps to like do more things with like hatching eggs and all sorts of stuff like that um but yeah there's there's a couple different places you can go in the terminal a lot of them are around a lot of our art exhibits and both on the secure and the non-secure side so if you're looking okay. to swing, swing through a couple pokestops i know there's one actually uh, on the way to the red and the blue garage with the uplifted ground art exhibit um, down at the in baggage claim uh, is the main gym area, things like that. So there's a couple different ones to explore, but I was pleasantly surprised for anyone out there who is a Pokemon Go fan. Um, the airport is a great place to try to catch them all. Lush with Pokemons. So Nathan's question was, um, what are the easiest and the hardest Pokestops to find? So did, did, do we know what the I would say um I mean some of them are it's it's tricky with some of them are on the secure side so those would be the hardest to find just from a pure logistics perspective mm-hmm. um but there there's a couple around just anywhere you think there's kind of like a cool art piece or something like that that's probably your best bet to find them in the terminal like I said on the walkway over to the garages uh down in bags baggage claim with the Barbara Jordan statue places like that um that is your best that is would be my recommendations unless you got a plane ticket and then you have some great opportunities in the terminal itself nathan you're definitely going to get some socks this yes. is definitely going to happen we have the mighty bryce catching pokemon at the terminal <laughs> i love it good research uh bryce yes. well done i did as best as i could knowing as little as i do <laughs> I love it. Thank you for your question, Nathan. Thank you for being the first one that we are featuring. I love I love that question. And we've got some and we've got some other ones in the on the way in the future too. So we'll try to take a stab at some of those. But if anyone does have any more questions they would like to ask, uh you can either rec- record them as we just uh listened to with that one, or you can email them to us. Either way, you can either send the clip or you can uh just email your question to us at uh the Austin approach at austintexas.gov. That's it. I didn't have it in front of me. Thank you for that. <laughs> but we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back with our guest uh, and we will talk to you again soon. Awesome. Want to stay connected with the Austin approach? Be sure to hit the subscribe button. You can also find us online on Facebook and Twitter at Austin Airport, on Instagram at AUS Airport, and on our website at austintexas.gov slash airport. Got a question or topic you'd like to hear on a future episode? Email us at the Austin Approach at austintexas.gov. Bryce, I am delighted to introduce our guest this week, Mr. Mookie Patel. Welcome, Mookie. Hello. Thank you. That, that was the background <laughs> crowd just welcoming me to the stage. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here. 
Yuki, brilliant to have you on our podcast. You're a bit of an old hand at these podcasts at this stage, right? You know, I'd never done one until this year, and and this is my fourth. It's actually very exciting, but this is the best. This is the biggest invite ever amongst your peers to be uh, asked to, to do something like this. I think it's amazing. Thank you for asking me. Well, now I feel like we should have saved it for episode 20. This is episode 19. We could have done a big one, but... You could have been the big two, Mookie. You know, I would have preferred on 19 to have a... Or 18 to have a little lead-in or a teaser or something that would have welcomed me to the stage. (laughs) So, Mookie, tell our guests, tell our listeners all about yourself. What do you do at the airport? And uh, how long have you been here for? Well, my job here at the airport um, has a pretty big title. It's uh, Chief of Business and Finance. Um, The rest of the industry would call it Chief of Revenue and Finance. But, um, you know, my job here is to to eliminate barriers and be an out-of-the-box thinker and just let the organization be enabled to be as strong as it can be. Um, I think any leadership team that comes together um, shouldn't get in the way of the the powerhouse that staff and the resources that we have, that, but they, what they do best, right? And so my job is just to think broadly, think about revenues, finances, guide um, the team to make sure that we're making the right financial decisions, investing at the right time and the resources that we, we, we have a quite a large uphill uh, battle as we as we move to grow our infrastructure to match the demand of our community um, and then also generate non-airline revenue. And I'll get into all of that here in a second, um, but generating the non-airline revenue that it requires is a really interesting challenge as we move forward. Yeah, because I think one thing that, I mean, some of our listeners or maybe a lot of our listeners may not know, I mean, we always talk about, oh, we're the city of Austin, we're the Department of Aviation, but our where our funding comes from is not the normal thing that you would expect from municipal government in that sense. Like, we are, we're not just a, we're not a taxpayer-funded organization in that sense, that's, we have to generate our own revenues. That's absolutely correct, Bryce. Um, we are what I would consider us to be a city within the city. So um, the services that are provided by the airport police or Austin Police Department, services by Austin Fire are all allocated expenses to aviation. Um, but we pay for all of those fees and charges, uh, administrative fees for legal services and everything else that the city helps support us with um, are all funded by the users of the airport. So airlines are our major tenant at the airport. They generate uh, upwards of 60% of our operating income. And we call that aero revenue or airline revenue. It's generated off of landing fees, terminal rents, jet bridge uh, fees, ticket counter rentals, all of those fees. Um, a com- uh, comprise of 60%. The other 40% is um, non-airline revenues. So about 43% is what, what it was when I came here. So um, that's coming from parking fees, uh, from concession revenues or proportionate share of those concession revenues. It comes from land leases, facility rentals, um, and all kinds of other services that we provide on property that 
as a receiver of federal funds, as we get federal FAA funding from the aviation ticket tax, uh, we also have what we call grant assurances that require us to keep all the money we make on the airport. So then we uh, uh, transact through transactions, I should say, um, we pay the city for those services that are rendered from downtown. Huh, I didn't even know that part. That, that's really interesting. Yeah. So, um, you know, the city takes a portion of of um, the salaries that we pay that goes into a pension fund, right? And so we have to pay into those fees. Um, we, we pay for HR services. We pay for all kinds of legal fees and uh, legal assessments uh, associated with um, – just being a part of being a good citizen of the city of Austin. And so Austin water is the same way. I believe Austin energy and aviation are three big enterprises of the city treated just a little differently. Now I know I think we, we talked that sort of what you do with all of that. I think one thing that's kind of an interesting elephant in the room with all this is now, when did you, when did you start? Oh, you know, I'm pretty easy and quick to tell you about myself and I forgot the whole part. Um, so uh, I know, right. I got so excited about just talking about what we do at aviation, but I actually jumped into this role. Um, it's not my first rodeo. It's my fourth airport. I've worked at four, uh, three other city run, um, municipal airports. Now, just to keep in mind, airports have different governing bodies. There are, Authorities that are just set up for an airport specifically, an airport authority. Then there's uh, inland ports that are set up or there's um, other port authorities that you would think of like Port Authority of New York or um, Long Beach Port Authority that might operate the airport. And then there's municipalities, city governments that own and operate the airport. By far, city governments are the, the majority in that mix of the 330-ish commercial service airports that are around the country. Mm -hmm. um, and so I got my degree in airport management. I always thought I would be a, a big-time airport manager or an airport director or an airport CEO, but um, I've worked four different airports. Uh, so this one, Kansas City, Denver, and San Antonio. I spent 10 years working at Alaska Airlines in corporate real estate managing the flip side of this relationship. So managing uh, airport relationships and contracts and lease negotiations with airports um, for our rates, fees and charges, um, working for Alaska Airlines. And then about seven or eight years, I did some consulting work. So I've sold airport property management software. I sold flight information display systems. I was a capital controls consultant for the international carriers that built Terminal 1 at JFK. And then I also did some uh, capital forecasting and planning work for all the foreign flag carriers at SFO. Um, and then I did so, some... Have you what got you into airports, by the way? I, you know, as a kid, you know, I know you have kids and you bring them out to the airport. It's just that fascination with aviation. I, yeah. I really loved airplanes uh, as a kid, and uh, now my 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 window view is right out my window. Right, I, I get to see airplanes all day, every day. And what kid wouldn't want to be a, be invested in that kind of a career path? So I wanted to be a pilot. Um, of course, my parents couldn't afford to put me through um, that extensive program when I went to college, but I did earn my pilot's license. So uh, I do have my private pilot's license, and uh, I got that with my degree in airport management from 
Oklahoma State University. I think you might be, of our guests now, at least the third that I can think of, if not the fourth employee here who has their pilot's license. I'm, I'm detecting a trend. I know. Yeah. I feel, like I, I, I feel like I need to catch up in some shape or form, but I'm, you should all be terrified if that was, you should see me driving. <laughs> you can take pilot ground school, you know, uh, ground school is pretty easy. It's just a, it's a book and a test and you don't even have to leave your chair. That's, that's ah. more my speed too. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, Bryce. I don't know. You you have the you have the patience and decorum to be a pilot. I don't know about me. I would just lose it. But hey, speaking. So one of the things you said at the at the beginning here, Mookie, was you know increased demand. So let's talk about that, can we? Because I'll tell you, every time Bryce and I start this podcast, we start with how incredibly busy we are. Yeah. And so give us some light, give us some numbers, give us some, give us a, an idea of just how, how busy is Austin Airport in, in relation to the, the country. Because you started also, I think, for perspective too, you joined the team here last year. When exactly? July. In the heart of COVID, yeah, Just, July like, twenty twenty, right? You, so you came in right when we were at, like, four months went, in. yeah, about four months in. I mean, you could roll a bowling ball down the concourse. All we saw were either pavement, and this is sad. We saw people in scrubs walking through the terminals. We saw uh, people that looked like either they were doing bereavement travel. Um, uh, we saw small families that may be traveling for emergencies, but very, very few travelers, right? I think our CEO, uh, can account a day when she was traveling that she, I think she saw like three or four people on the entire airplane. So, um, those are some rough days and the days that we did finally start seeing people hanging out in bag claim and waiting for bags was just a, a shocker to me, but um, I've never seen it that way. I was a consultant during 9-11, so I wasn't on the airport side um, when 9-11 hit and all the airplanes started uh, you know, landing out of the sky and we saw a few days of, of, of termination of you know, air service. Um, so this is the closest thing in my career, in my uh, 28 years that I've seen something like this. And it was very eerie. We generate almost $4 million a year in parking revenues from customers that come out to the airport, park their cars. And that's our, a significant portion of our income to run this airport. But when you relate it back to your home life, if your number one income stream isn't coming in, how do you pay for your mortgage payment, Right. And our mortgage payment at this airport is $55 million a year. And so when you're not generating enough money to even pay your mortgage payment, it was a, a very scary time. At the same time, I think this city and our department probably saw what, what people are referring to as a great resignation. But what we saw is a lot of tenured people, and you worked with most of them before I showed up here, that came down from Mueller Airport before Bergstrom was here, right? So those folks hit the old retirement system, the magic number, and they could walk away whenever they want to. So when COVID started, we started losing a lot of tenured executive staff and senior staff at this airport, which was very difficult to to digest, but um, very painful that they did leave and and here we are now uh, rebuilding um, 
in, in some cases still, we've got another retirement this week um, in our operations group of a senior person. So that's, that, that's, that's happening too. But um, going back to more of a positive conversation, Michelle, um, to answer your question, I think I had heard during COVID, we saw 120 people a day moving into Austin. Um, and then I've also heard different numbers. Uh, I've heard 140 people a day. And it's 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 news gone by, but you know, with the uh, the construction of the Tesla factory that'll be completed uh, this month, um, the relocation of their headquarters, with the Samsung facility that just got announced this week that will be completed by twenty twenty three or twenty four, I believe twenty three, um, and then the um, the relocation of of Oracle. It, it wasn't just that, but there was. There was this uh, worldly knowledge of Austin. My brother travels through Europe and he says people don't know where Texas is on a map, but they know where Austin is. Mm -hmm. Um, And he spends a lot of time in Poland and um, that's his – you know, take on, on, on Austin. So I, I, we've seen a lot of international investment into real estate market here in Austin. Um, And I, and I think we're still developing on the international stage as a city of of prominence um, in the U S and what we see, it's kind of a tidal wave to be honest with you, Michelle, all of these people, migrated during COVID, either for lower cost of living, they could work remote. But what they were also doing is buying houses for cash. And then they were sitting on, you know, a very low escrow account, you know, the paying that basically collecting revenues for their for their taxes. But what they're doing is amassing a lot of disposable income. Yeah. Now that the country's opening up, we're starting to see that incubation of migrants that moved here or in migration, as we should call it. And then now they're, the clamshells open. People are starting to do revenge travel, as I like to call it. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I was listening to one of your um, I was listening to one of your podcasts because I, I did I did have a little listen to see what's Mookie talking about. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things that I, I thought that was really interesting was you had you had mentioned in uh, I think it was a, the future of uh, the future of airports podcast that you did. I think it was in that one that you that you mentioned a blurred work week. Right, like the weekend is extending in, into into Wednesdays, and that, that this might be some insight into why we're seeing so much travel. I mean, what's our slow day at the airport now? It used to be Tuesday. Yeah, right? now like, it's our busier days. Yeah, yeah it's, there is. It's no rhyme. Or, I'm trying to. We were trying to figure out some of these traffic travel things recently. It's like, well, people always ask, hey, when's the busy day? If I don't, if I want to, if I want to beat the crowds, what day should I fly? I'm like, I, I honestly can't tell you what this, I mean, we're, we're just kind of busy all the time. Yeah. I, I would, if I had to pick two days, I think it would be a Saturday and sort of maybe a Wednesday um, are, are the odd days. But when you work in revenue management for an airline, you perfect those models because you know which days of the week to raise your prices because most you know, airlines would used to say in the past that Tuesdays were the day that you would see airline um, fluctuations in fare structure because that's the day people are always booking tickets. Um, people look on the weekends and then they book like Monday, Tuesday. But that's an old adage. I don't know what it is today, but um, what I can t- what I can tell you is revenge travel is in full force. Um, our concessions program 
in October um, and, and November numbers should be here available very quickly, but October killed it. It was the, it was the, the highest revenue producing month we've ever seen in concessions revenue. Um, and that's wow. well, spending like it's going out of style. People buying. Are you talking snacks. about ever, ever? Or are you talking since our recovery from COVID? Since 1999, when we opened the airport. Wow. Holy moly. Yeah. So October was it. And we haven't fully recovered in terms of flight activity yet, right? We're, I think we're, we were like 109 daily departures in July of 19. We're supposed to be like 189 or 190 departures by this coming March. Um, you know, and I'll leave, the, I'll leave it to a coin flip of when full international traffic is, traffic is re- uh, recovered. Uh, British is back up to five days a week, but not seven. Uh, Lufthansa isn't back yet. KLM hasn't started service yet. So we're hoping that this spring and going into next summer, as long as this new variant kind of simmers down as, as the market is showing today, you know, that the, the mild symptoms from this new Omicron variant, um, is shooting the stock market back up again. And, and, um, you know, we'll see how the recovery happens, but I, I'm really shooting for March, April, May to be some really solid, uh, solid months here at AUS. So when you're talking, Mickey, about, um, about the future of work and the future of airports, right? What, what are you preparing our airport for? What, what do we, what do we have? And, uh, what do you, what are you looking at in terms of concessions, in terms of revenue, in terms of technology? I'll tell you, you know, you use the word um, blurred travel windows. Let me let me finish that thought, too, that you, you brought it up. And so in terms of business travel, I think we're seeing our customer demographic change quite a bit. Some are traveling for business and there's more and more suits that you'll see on the plane nowadays with, with people that are pure business. But people are mixing business with pleasure now. Um, and I think one of our airlines has doubled down on Austin, thinking that the consumer can um, work in Austin three days a week, maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, travel to an international or a domestic location, work remote Monday and Friday, spend the weekend there. And um, you've got this strong work-life balance brewing. What is that doing to the consumer? To answer your question more clearly, it, it is blurring that line. What we are seeing is people are traveling um, when they're not working, but it might be a Tuesday midday. Uh, with work-life balance, people are able to be very flexible on which days of the week they're working. So are they able to drink on a Tuesday at noon and have a glass of wine in the airport? Yes, they can. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're traveling for work and have to be at a meeting. Um, and so uh, concession sales, food and beverage sales, liquor sales are all changing. What I will say is um, we do need to move to a more autonomous um future in terms of customer satisfaction. And that's, that's unfortunate because some of the consumers that are coming back are very, very demanding. They presume there is nothing wrong with the world. They want their latte in three and a half minutes as soon as they order it. They want table side service. They want their food to be, their glass to never be half empty. And the labor force isn't there to support that. So automated food, I think, is the nature of the future as we look at automated pizza and automated coffee and automated uh, grab and go features, uh, pay on your own, pay on foot 
um, all of those types of technology are going to be super important as we look at concessions and serving customers with food and beverage options in the future. Is there anything right now that that we are either doing or have like instituted over the past several months or something that's coming up on the horizon that you're really most excited for, at least as far as things that like we're always able to talk about? Yeah, so um, uh, Parodies Lagardere, which is one of our food and retail providers at Austin Article, recently rolled out something called Mishi Pay. And Mishi oh, yeah. Pay is a competitor to uh, Amazon On The Go or Amazon To Go. Um, I don't know what they how they call it, but Mishi Pay allows you to do a hit a quick QR code when you walk into the store. And then as you pull products off the shelves, you can put them in your bag and scan them. Uh, Sam's Club does this too. Um, but with, with Mishi Pay, there's nobody at the, at the exit checking or validating your purchases. This is just total scan and go concept. So we worked with our friends at, at Parodies Lagardere to roll that out. Some of our com- concessionaires are on the Grab platform, and we're trying to grow that platform at AUS where people can order online and uh, mobile ordering and then go to the store and grab and go. We're looking at features of a future marketplace that we can promote to our customers that they can pre-order, order to their gate, or um, just do grab and go. Um, and so there's there's concepts we'd like to roll out in the next 12 to 18 months. Um, we already have a couple of automated uh, coffee machines in the airport, and we're looking at By other... By the way, I love those coffee machines. I've talked about those coffee machines because they're great. At least on two other episodes, yes. <laughs> I have. This is now the third episode. I'm telling you right now, if you're standing in line waiting to get a coffee, you could do much better for yourself and save yourself some time by doing Costa Coffee. At, and it works. It works and it's delicious. I've done it twice now, Mookie. I love it. So we just met with them today. And so uh, I'll give you a little preview, a little nugget, sneak peek, but they have redesigned their machines. Um, It's locally manufactured here in Austin. It was manufactured, the machines and the automation was all uh, in partnership with Brigo Coffee before the company was bought out by Costa Coffee, which is owned by Coca-Cola. But Coca-Cola has invested in um, this, this automated manufacturing machine and Costa will be bringing out in May a, um, a brand new machine that will be parked next to the old machine. And so they want to kind of do some test trials in the airport. So March, April, May timeframe, you'll get a whole new experience there down by gate 12 uh, as you head up nine gate expansion. It, it, the coffee is served at 155 degrees, which is just perfect drinking temperature. It's yes, not super it is. Hot. I know. They do lattes and tea lattes, and it serves uh, serves the traveling public very well. I agree. And I still know. I, I saw the other day I, recently, and you just mentioned it as well that there's there's at least one airport out there that's doing robot pizza. Um, yeah, we've we've talked to them. The footprint of those machines are a little large, um, and so finding the space. Um, if you, if you guys know this, our, our building footprint was built for 15 million passengers, even with the nine gate expansion, when the nine gate expansion was complete, it was obviously just prior to COVID, but we had hit 17.6 million people walking on a floor plate that's built for 15. And then to think this coming March, we'll be processing somewhere close to 21 million passengers. It's absolutely mind-boggling the amount of people 
that will be using AUS as a commerce hub for AUS, right? For the city of Austin. And, and, and so finding spaces, nooks and crannies and places to be able to serve our customers is a real challenge um, when you have 56,000 square feet of food, beverage, travel, retail, essentials uh, that were built out for 15 and you're now serving 20 plus. How do you, how do you make that happen? So uh, we're constantly on the hunt for space, but um, we're looking forward to servicing every person that works through our building because it's not just revenue for us, but when you look at people that are traveling, you know, it's, it's economic benefit to the community. It's economic benefit for our country. And, and we need to get back to, back to dancing shoes again. And I know one thing too, that um, is something that always comes up and it's like, it's kind of a point of pride with us with kind of looking to the future with expansions and things. We still though, at the same time, definitely have that feel of Austin and with a lot of the brands that we have, how our concessions are represented and things like that. I know looking to the future, um, I know we've all talked, we haven't gotten into detail in the podcast yet on it, and we'll save that for a later episode, but there will be more expansions and development in the future. Like, but like, what's sort of your take on how we continue to kind of preserve some of that as well? Cause it's something, I mean, it's something we're known for. I mean, where you come in here and you see Salt Lake and Amy's and Taco Deli and all, all these local uh, things that everybody knows, like what, what, what's sort of the, the next on that? But not only do we have it, we also know it's very popular, right? People people will tell you they know that they've arrived in Austin because they can smell the barbecue, they can hear the music, they can go get an Amy's ice cream, you know, they can walk past Hutz Burgers, they they see the local artists, they hear the local artists, um, they smell the, the the local sense of of what what Austin brings and what it's all about. And I think it's an interesting dynamic that that, that you, Mickey, you know, lead the charge on essentially is that the leadership group does is when does Austin lose its identity to to big tech yeah and does the airport follow suit well i think we've got to hold on to rainy street we've got to hold on to sixth street we've got to hold on to lamar and south congress and places that have been great incubators for some of the food and beverage uh, companies that are in the airport but if you spread out you go to dripping springs and you, and you head out into Lufkin or say either just some of the surrounding communities, the five county region that we like to call Central Texas, and you can pull the fabric of those communities into AUS, that's the next generation of our commercial program, right? So as we look at sizing whatever the next concourse size is going to be, uh, we need to bring that in. But we also need to balance that with high volume, low cost products, right? So we need to look for, um, you know, continually looking at taco shops or taco options and sandwich options or burger restaurants that people are familiar with, um, that maybe not are national brands. Like like we, we did introduce Starbucks and we, did, we do have an Einstein's bagel shop here in the airport, but not going too far out of Texas. Let's look for more Texas brands as we look to um, achieve sort of a balanced program where customers can still find value um, because the price of brisket has gone up pretty significantly over COVID. A sandwich at, at Salt Lake will set you back, you know, a meal will set you back 20 bucks and that's not for everybody. So, um I think there are lots of 
I mean, I've got my, my list on my wall of all the different companies that I've tried and uh, my waistline isn't happy, but uh, I know we'll be happy with a commercial program once, once we have a definitive plan for uh, concourse B, as we'll call it. We'll just add that and then we'll just have twice as much space to walk and then there you still go. have to try everything, but then you're going to end up walking at least a good couple of miles every day. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's just well-known brands in town that have never, I mean, we've never had a Yeti store or a Tiff's Treats or a Tor- Torchies in the airport. So the, the brands that are just so well Austin known are still not in the airport. And it would be nice to hopefully see our concession prime vendors partner with those local brands and, and, and present those to the airport. Yeah, absolutely. That would be awesome. So, Mookie, before we wrap up, one of the things that we ordinarily ask, and you know what, Bryce, we haven't in a while because we've been losing track of time and we've had such interesting people and stuff that I I suddenly remembered because I want to know, Mookie, what was your first flight into Austin or out of Austin? Do you remember it? My first flight into Austin would have been – just, just actually, just this past uh, past month in November. Are you I, kidding? Really? Yeah, because I lived in a in another city just south of here, um, which <laughs> which will remain nameless because now that I found the center of the universe, I'm here. Um, <laughs> but um, I never. Oh wait, I shouldn't say that. My first flight to Austin was before the nine gate expansion. It was probably around 2013, 2014 into Bergstrom when Alaska Airlines was considering starting nonstop service from Seattle to Austin. That's my first flight. There you go. Yeah, it was, you know, the concessions program had Schlotzky's here. It was still the old program, but everybody told me I had to eat a salt lick. And that place was slammed back then. It is much, much better experience now. The new concessions program is amazing. It is locally based. And if I don't continue to plug that, slap me. Um, <laughs> we really love, love for everybody to continue spending dollars when they're coming to Austin and uh, getting a little taste while they're here. Awesome. Mookie, it's been a pleasure. I always love speaking with you because you're such a jolly fellow. I try. It's try. I know it, it, you are. You know. It, you know. How can Mookie compete with Doobie and Lau? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get the plug in. This this podcast should have been called the Doobie and Lau Show, but um, you know, yeah, and sponsored by Mookie. That would have been awesome. There you go. <laughs> That's got a ring to it right there. Doobie and Lau sponsored by Mookie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, 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 your microphones your equipment did come out of my budget so uh <laughs> oh did it thanks thanks mookie <laughs> you're welcome you're welcome so that was just awesome mookie really is just a, a wealth of information on like all sorts of stuff and i mean he's been in the industry for so long now like he he is he knows his stuff yeah, he certainly has a, a wide and varied perspective on things and, and a keen eye on the future as well. And, and it's really fun to find out what could be what the potential is for uh, the future of airports and the future of services at the airports. I think it's uh, it's fascinating stuff. I mean, who knows what, what will happen? 
Yeah, I always kind of think ahead when we talk about like with our 2040 master plan and that we've talked about in the past and things and just think about the, like it's it's exciting stuff. There, there are so many things on the horizon. It's really cool to see someone with with that energy and some of some of those types of things really kind of already keeping their eye like out there for what's what's going to be coming up. So it's, it's going to be an exciting time um, here at the airport in the years ahead. Yeah, as we continue to grow, we continue to innovate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this one is a little long today, so I think it's probably for the best if we do skip a destination. Uh, we know a lot of folks are starting to think about travel for next year and things, so we're going to really start looking at what our next list of um, destinations we want to highlight in the future. If you out there have any destinations that you know we fly to that you'd like a little bit more of information about, let us know. We can do some research, reach out to our partners uh, and find some of those things out for you if you just want to kind of one of those people you're planning a trip for 2022 and you're going to spin a globe and point a finger on a map we would love to maybe do a little bit more research and find out uh, some of those places that austin flies to that maybe we can get a little bit more information for you absolutely and you can again you can reach us at uh, the austin approach at austintexas.gov and that will come into our inbox and we'll be able to answer any questions that you might have so once again as always i am your co-host bryce Duby. And I am your co-host, Michelle Lai. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next time. The Austin Approach is the official podcast of Austin Bergstrom International Airport and the City of Austin's Department of Aviation. Our theme music is produced by Michael Pinnock, the AUS Music Program Coordinator. Thanks for listening.